Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings and welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, and I'm honored to be your host. This podcast, we have a bona fide sequel to our second podcast, and we call it What's the Deal to Going in Deeper? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> well, if you're new to this podcast, you're in a place of acceptance and understanding, both for you who have Asperger's Syndrome and Autism Spectrum Disorder, and for those of you who do not. These podcasts are not just for Aspies, but for those of you who have a working relationship with an Aspie or are otherwise connected with one or more of us. The idea here is to learn about each other and to understand each other so that we can coexist and gain great relationships through looking at life through each other's eyes. Before we begin, let me thank you who have told me good things about this podcast I appreciate your kindness and sharing your thoughts. If you'd like to comment on the podcast, please email me at aspieland.org at gmail.com. Let me give you that again, aspieland.org at gmail.com. Okay, without any further ado, let's go in deeper with What's the Deal? Part 2, The Sequel. Those of us with Asperger's Syndrome or Autism Spectrum Disorder have a very different way of looking at things. Many of these ways I've spoken about very clearly in earlier podcasts and will continue to do so as the situation warrants. I told you about our inability to start conversation and how we may miss the cues in joining into a conversation. Other issues were our love for routines, how we tend to have a certain order in which things are done, and how it can cause a great deal of unsettledness when that routine is disrupted. Another topic was how we Aspies can obsess, or look like we're obsessed, over a given subject, like a comic book series, or a game, you know, like a video game, or a TV show. Sometimes we'll gather every single detail about that particular game or TV show or whatever, and that becomes our hyper-hobby, if you will, which looks more like an obsession, really. I also touched on the sensory sensitivities, like food. You may recall how I mentioned that some people are sensitive to food that is too hot, some for food that is too cold, and that for some, the mere look at that being too hot or too cold can be very distressing. Some Aspies are really sensitive to odors from candles or room fresheners that can trigger an anxiety. Sensitivities can range from food to colors, to light, noise, or odors. Now understand, these can be different from person to person or from Aspie to Aspie and in varying levels of sensitivity. No two Aspies are quite the same. But now let's introduce some others you may or may not be aware of. Let's begin with language. Remember that Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder is not a developmental condition and that we don't share the difficulty with learning language like someone with, say, straight autism. In fact, 
learning in general is not developmentally suppressed. And many Aspies grow up to be accomplished musicians or writers or inventors or business entrepreneurs, some of which are quite famous. Now, Aspies tend to have an excellent command of language in that we can express ourselves with great sophistication and can use large, complex words and sentences correctly. Intelligence is a large factor here. Aspies tend to have a high or extremely high intelligence quotient, which comes out in many forms, such as mathematical skills, creative thinking, attention to detail, and some logical thinking, such as finding patterns in things. For the most part, however, it manifests in language skills. Now, those of us with Asperger's syndrome may sometimes speak very fluently. Unfortunately, this attribute is a double-edged sword. While on the one hand, those of us who have Asperger's syndrome autism spectrum disorder may speak really well, but on the other hand, we may take no account of the way a neurotypical reacts to what they're saying. Since we have trouble understanding facial expressions or nonverbal cues, which, and let me pause quickly to mention that in the next podcast, we're going to cover this subject of nonverbal communication all by itself. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Since we have trouble understanding facial expressions and nonverbal cues that are common for neurotypicals during a conversation, an Aspie may just go on talking and talking and talking to what a neurotypical would call at nauseum. And they don't see, they don't notice that the person they're talking to can be uninterested in what they're saying. Sometimes as well, someone with Asperger's syndrome autism spectrum disorder may, in trying to impress someone or just become part of the neurotypical world, may speak too precisely or in an overly literal way using words that are not quite correct in describing their thoughts. It's kind of like trying to use big, high-sounding technical words when they're really not necessary. Talking about themselves is another Aspie's trait. Once you get us into a conversation and get us going, an Aspie will talk more about themselves than anyone else or any other thing. In my opinion, this is partly because while an Aspie has spent so much time alone and by ourselves, we simply don't understand that there is more to life than our cares or interests. So, as a result, conversations can be really one-sided. Aspies may indeed, and often do, care a great deal about you, or about your family, or their family. We may be really concerned about a large number of subjects, but it may not appear in conversation because, once again, an Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder person does not get how conversation works, about the back-and-forth nature of it. Now, this also surfaces as interruptive conversation, which for most neurotypicals comes across very rude and uncaring. Once again, you're dealing with someone who doesn't quite get the conversational cues or rules concerning etiquette in speech. Now, these are things those of you who are neurotypical learned by observation 
or some experimentation in how these rules are, and they're very common rules in the neurotypical world, but not so for Aspies. Fast-talking is another common issue with Aspies. The exact reason for the fast speech is not entirely clear, but those who have Asperger's syndrome, autism spectrum disorder, may talk very fast, almost to a point of skipping a word or two, or talking so quickly that others in the conversation simply cannot comprehend what they just said. So, let me make a suggestion. For those of you who are neurotypical, you need to be patient with those of us who have Asperger's syndrome, autism spectrum disorder, and try to speak slowly. Not because you need to speak slowly, but so that you help show us how to speak slower. Another thing you might try is to guide the conversation so that an Aspie can learn by example the art of back and forth conversation. It takes time and no doubt it takes patience, but it can work. Not only can it help one who has Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder understand how communication works in the neurotypical world, but it helps those of you in the neurotypical world understand why we may talk differently and that we really have some great ideas and interests. We just need someone who is willing to help us get these great attributes out and get them out correctly in a true conversation. Back and forth, back and forth. Another issue is literal speech. You may notice that those of us with Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder almost never use slogans or witticisms. And sometimes we don't often tell jokes. You may never hear a slang expression or an aphorism. And this is because we Aspies have difficulty understanding slogans or witticisms, colloquial expressions, or slang, jargon, or aphorism. When we're in a group of people and during the conversation someone says, get out of here, or get out of town, well, instead of properly rendering that as a modern way of saying, wow, that's so cool, I can hardly believe it, an Aspie may be taking that to mean exactly what you said, that you don't want them around, to go home, to get out of town, to leave. Another example of literal communication may be a request that is easily understood by those of you in the neurotypical world, but is taken exactly as it is stated by an Aspie. For example, say you're holding a plate in your hand, and the plate has some bread crusts or some other leftover stuff or maybe even a used napkin and such. Now, if you give that to an Aspie and say, would you get rid of this for me? An Aspie may very well get rid of it, plate and all, because he or she did exactly what you said, literally. Here's another one. Someone points out an area of the room that is messy, maybe after a party or a get-together, and they may simply point around with their hand, waving their hand, and say, take care of that, will you? Well, an Aspie may not know what to do with that, and so we may not respond. We'll just stand there with that deer-in-the-headlights kind of thing going. We'll look completely confused. Or consider the words, oh, stuff it, just park it. An Aspie doesn't know what that means. Park what? Stuff what? Or what do you want me to stuff it into? 
Okay, They don't understand that that's a colloquialistic statement. We often don't understand jokes. I'll be watching a movie with my wife, and somebody will say something that's a joke. My wife will laugh, and I'll just keep watching. And then a minute or two later, I'll laugh, and my wife will turn to me and say, you just got that, didn't you? <laughs> yep, I did. Now, verbal cues can be a troublesome place for someone who has Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder. For example, if they're in conversation and someone clears their throat to get attention, that gets missed by us Aspies. We think that all you're doing is clearing your throat and you're not trying to say something like, don't go there or stop that or don't talk about that. Once again, that's a verbal cue. And because we take it literally, and don't exactly connect the dots, as it were, we miss the cue and can look pretty awkward or even offensive and rude in the process. Another issue is the misunderstanding of tone and pitch. Aspies may have trouble understanding the rise and pitch in your voice, which comes naturally for the neurotypical and usually means excitement or happiness, while a lowering of your pitch may mean sadness or sorrow. Now, as a neurotypical, you normally don't pay attention to these things because you absorb the cues as you grow up and learn these things by watching others and a bit of measure of experimentation on your part. An Aspie, however, doesn't pick up on these things because the way their brain is wired. Remember that Asperger's syndrome, autism spectrum disorder, is not a learning disability. It's more of a lack of cognitive awareness and that cues done verbally are supposed to have meaning, but we just don't get it. Another behavioral issue that is common to people with Asperger's syndrome is stimming. While stimmings, and commonly they're called stims, are considered normal, even in the neurotypical world, it can manifest itself differently in those of us who have Asperger's syndrome autism spectrum disorder. For example, when a neurotypical gets nervous or anxious or even bored, they can show it by doing what most neurotypicals would call a nervous habit, such as drumming your fingers on the table or jiggling your foot, or women may do it by twirling their hair with their fingers. Most times, it only lasts a few moments, and is, it's not disrupted to those who are doing it and not to the people around them either. However, as one who lives in Aspie land, this behavior can manifest itself by rubbing your skin, like taking the back of your fingers and rubbing them up against your chin, or ever so slightly and gently rocking back and forth, or for some people it's from side to side in your chair, or you rub your fingers together real fast. These can be fairly innocuous and are not generally disturbing to those around you, but stims last longer for Aspies than neurotypicals. Sometimes they go on for very long periods. Most Aspies don't even know that they're doing it. Now, having said that, there are some stims that can be more disruptive, such as flapping your hands or drumming your hands on a table or pacing the floor. Those things can be a disruptive influence on others in the room. But since most Aspies don't recognize nonverbal cues, they can miss the signals from others to stop the behavior and as a result can cause an issue. When I was in high school, we used to have what are called study hall. This was a place where students would gather in a large room for a period of study on whatever subjects they choose. 
In our school, we held them in one of our cafeterias. Now, while I did fairly well in school, I really didn't need to spend too much time studying during study hall. But since you're required to take it, there you go. During study hall, I would find myself looking around, and as I gazed around, I would drum very lightly on the table, but not just with my fingers, using my whole hand. I would do rock beats and then blues beats, anything that came into my head. Once, I got carried away, not knowing that it was my Asperger's that carried me there. I drummed fancier and louder, and at one point, I found myself drumming really nice stuff. It was really cool, but I was doing it as loud as my hands would do it, and I suddenly could feel the eyes of nearly everyone in the room as my drumming hands echoed in the large cafeteria. And not only did the other students stare, but unfortunately, so did the teacher. I stopped dead in my track, put my head down, and sat motionless for the rest of the hour, hoping no one would notice me. What a humiliating experience. And I made sure that I was the last person who left the room. Okay, one last area I want to quickly mention is social anxiety. This can be a very difficult problem. You see, because we have so much trouble trying to be, or at least trying to adjust to, and connect with the neurotypical world, we get periods of great anxiety. We so desperately want to be like everyone else, but find it so hard that some of us get exasperated with the effort, and we get anxiety and depression. Depression is the hardest part of being in Aspie land. It is one of the most, if not the most, common issue for Aspies. Many Aspies get fed up with trying to connect with others around them and the alienation that can come from neurotypicals because they don't seem like they're willing to talk with us or even have anything to do with us. Well, they get very angry and depressed and give up trying to connect. This results in anger and sometimes an us-and-them mentality. Let me make another suggestion. If you're a neurotypical and you see us kind of getting that way because you can read the cues in our faces, my suggestion would be talk softly. Don't look, don't stare, don't point, but talk slowly and softly with us and see if you can turn down the temperature a little bit. For those of us who have Asperger's syndrome and autism spectrum disorder, I have a suggestion for you as well. When you feel yourself getting down and you feel yourself pulling yourself down, remember that it's not their fault, and it's not your fault. Your brain is wired differently. It doesn't make neurotypicals bad, and it doesn't make you bad. Now, sometimes that's not an easy thing to accept, but give it a try, and maybe you can get some control over that anxiety. Well, we're out of time for this podcast. Remember to please visit the Aspieland website. Just go to aspieland.org and do not use the www at the beginning. Not only can you read the mission statement, you can learn where to link to podcasts and read my short bio. One of the things that I would really appreciate is if you would subscribe to Aspieland. It'll put you on the mailing list. We won't sell you anything because we're not interested in selling anything. We'll just send you a note to let you know when the next podcast is coming up. 
I would also ask that if you would please consider donating to the work here at both the website and the podcast. It would really help me keep this thing going. All of that is available through the website. You may notice that you might not be able to comment directly on the player you're listening with, but you can still comment on the podcast by just going to aspieland.org at gmail.com. That's my email address. You can actually send me a quick hello if you like. I'd enjoy that. And if you have questions, I'm all about it. I welcome those as well. And rest assured, I'll answer every email I receive. I'll talk to you next time as we learn more about life in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.